I want you to know something. There's not a soul in the room right now by accident. It's amazing to me how God can handpick somebody and say, be in that church service. So if you're here, you're here because of a destiny on your life. I have a sermon to preach today that the Lord began to talk to me about, and it's very, very, very important. I want you to pay very close attention to everything I say. It's going to be a little different than what you're accustomed to hearing, but it's something the Spirit of God wants you to hear and know. Are y'all ready? Second Chronicles chapter seven verse fourteen. We're go- the sermon title is called the return, the return of Jesus. Maybe. What about the return of the church? Back to Jesus. What about the return of you and I back to the plan of God? And there's a lot of returns that are happening right now in the body of Christ. The Lord is dealing with His church, and so. 2 Corinthians seven fourteen. Many of you have heard this. I'm going to read it, and then we're going to read it. We're going to read the scriptures around it. Are you ready? It says, "If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin, and I'll heal their land." What we're dealing with right now in America is the situation that even the politicians can't fix. There is no one that can fix what's happening. What Jesus said, what God said right here to us, is that if you, my people, make adjustments, I'll heal your land. So we're going to talk about the healing of America or the return of America back to its godly roots. It's one of the things that needs to happen. So, so I want to read what's around that. And before I, well, let me just read it, and then I want to make a statement about that. Verse 13, above 14. Now look at this, because most people don't read it. When I shut up heaven, and there is no rain, or I command the locust to devour the land, or I send a pestilence among my people. Now, in our society, in our um, group, we call our church faith and word, talking about the judgment of God is not a popular subject. Most people in our camp don't believe that God judges. You even bring it up. One of the reasons for that is obvious. There's been so much goofy preaching in this area. For instance, every time there's a hurricane, you've got a whole, fi- a whole pile of people out there going, well, God's judging New Orleans because of the Mardi Gras, and he's not. Or you have an earthquake, and all those people died, and God brought judgment or tsunami. So there's always that side of it where, where everybody's screaming every time something bad happens, it's God, and, it, and it's not. We're in the earth, and the earth is groaning, and, it's, and there's things happening. But then we got... We got the people who say God never, God never judges. Well, if that's true, Jesus didn't know it because in the book of Revelation, he's talking to his churches and he is talking to people, born again Christians. And he said, if you don't repent and make some adjustments, I'm going to come and it's not going to be, it's not going to go well with you. So there is a judgment of God. I like to say it this way, 
there is a chastening. That's an easier word for us to handle, chastening. So I want to ask you a question. How would you like to live in America with no law enforcement officers? I don't want to live here. I've been to India where 13 people line up at a red light. Road lines don't mean nothing. Wait till it changes. You want to talk about bumper car, baby. And it's not a fun place to drive because it's, it, you're taking your life in your hands every time you pull out on the road. Because there's no law enforcement. There is no standard. So having police, and police are not condemners, they're judges. Now when you get, in a, when you get a ticket, share revenue coupon, they don't deport you and send you to Cuba. That would be condemnation. But they might give you a hefty little ticket and have you go down and pay some of your hard-earned money and make you think a little bit about whether you want to drive like crazy or not. That, in my opinion, is judgment. God loves us enough not to let you keep doing stupid. So not everything that you're binding the devil is the devil. Might be God. Now, I'm going to tell you where this began with me. I've been listening to Jonathan Kahn. I, I really enjoy Jonathan Kahn. I enjoyed re- reading the Harbing, Harbinger. 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 I don't know how to say it yet. I don't think he does. He's got number two out, but I really enjoyed listening to him. So he used his words, God's bringing judgment to America. I remember Kenneth E. Hagin, my spiritual father, he used the same words. But yet, if you go online... There's a lot of preachers who will say, because of Jesus dying, God doesn't judge anymore. Well, he doesn't condemn anymore. All condemnation. So there's, we have a problem in the body of Christ today, and, he, and here's what it is. So, so often when preachers are preaching, they're interchanging words. They're using condemnation and judgment interchangeably, and they're not the same word. They're using forgiveness and redemption. They're not the same word. They're using fellowship and relationship interchangeably. They're not the same word. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever been in, you know, you have fellowship with your spouse, but have you ever been out of fellowship with your spouse? Jackie has. Kevin has once. I have once. Because Lisa's not easy to get along with. Why are y'all laughing at me like I'm the problem, you know? Well, we're both strong leaders. So it's wrong to interchange the word. You know, talking about our fellowship with God and talking about our relationship with God. And sometimes we need to make a differentiation, forgiveness and redemption. You could be forgiven in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but you weren't redeemed. And you can be redeemed and not forgiven. First John 1 John 1.9 says so. So 1 John 1.9, contrary to popular preachers, is not about your relationship with God because you don't get saved confessing your sins. That's to the church. Talking about the church being out of fellowship with God. So having said that, um, um, Jonathan Kahn has been talking about what happened in America. And he's got this 
um, meeting in D.C. this September called The Return. And I stole his title. I like his title, so I stole it. And I'll never tell you again where I got it. Now I'll just tell you after this, the Lord said. But it intrigued me. So I'm not going to be talking about the return of Jesus, but there's a lot of things that we need to return to. Okay. Having said that, does God, does God judge today? Set, go to 1 Corinthians 11, and, and let's talk about this a little bit. And the answer to that is yes, he does. Thank you all. God is not going to let you continuously trash another human without stopping you. He's not going to let anybody do you wrong over a continued period of time. He told you, you know, don't, don't condemn, don't, don't judge. I mean, don't, don't judge them. Judgment is mine. And you pray about people doing you wrong. God will step in and he'll put a stop to it. I've seen it in marriages. I've seen it in situations. I've seen a lot. I don't have time to get into all of them. There was a man one time told his wife, you ain't going down to that church and teaching in no Sunday school. I'm the head of this house and you're not going to do it. And I watched him for years and years and years. And he was very domineering, very mean. And it wasn't long one day he got the bright idea to get a divorce because he had married the wrong woman. I stepped in to help them with their marriage. The Lord said, get your hand off it. I'm tired of him. I'm ending it. Wow. And he set her free. She got a good husband. And then she got half his money. God won't, God won't keep tolerating wrong behavior forever. All right. So having said that, having said that, I'm trying to get you to a point where you're going to think with me for a moment. 1 Corinthians uh, 11. Um, I've had him deal with me. You know, you, you need to make some adjustments or else. <laughs> I went, yes, sir. Verse 27, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven. 27. Therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself and eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And he's not talking about a bad communion service where you just didn't eat the cracker right. He's talking about the way you're handling yourself in the body with people. Okay. He said, he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks, uh, who eat, verse 29, let me slow down. He who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not condemnation, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, there are many people who are weak, even sick, and many sleep. Not everybody's sick, not everybody died early was judgment. But some are. We're not God. But when, if you would judge yourself, you would not be judged. And when you are judged, you're chastened by the Lord so you're not damned with the world. So you want, you want God to get in, in your life. You want him to stop you. You want him to stop different people. Now, he has a way of doing that that's very gracious because he still he loves people. But the fact is, is to say these words, God doesn't judge anymore, is totally in inconsistent with the Bible. He does. All right. Having said that, judgment is mercy. A cop is mercy. They may have stopped you from killing your reckless self. Amen. Your parents. Thank y'all. Now, I don't like to tell on the boys and 
I won't name names. I have three of them. You, you can figure out who I'm talking about. But you know, I never lied to the boys. And I never spanked them for making mistakes. Never spank a child because he makes a mistake. You don't want to stop him from his creativity. If they're, if they're in the kitchen and they set the milk, the milk down on a napkin, it falls out and spills all over the kitchen table, just look at them and tell them to get a towel and clean it up. You messed up the day. Yeah, you marooned everybody's food. Get in there and cook us another meal and clean up the mess. Okay, that's, that's not... But if, if they sash you, clean your room. Eh! Come with me, Leroy. That's the last time you're ever going to do that. So our boys knew, because I never lied. I never lied to them. I never said one, two. I don't give them three chances at rebellion. So I would say something like, we're going out to eat tonight, and if you misbehave when you get home, you're going to get a whipping. Just, that's it. That's pretty simple. And so we go out, and then they're over there fighting and scrapping and under the table and acting like little monkeys. And so I look at them, and I say, well, when we get home, I'm going to tan your hide. Yeah. Oh, Dad, I'll never do it again. I know you won't. <laughs> but I'm not going to lie to you. I told you I'd whip you. I'm going to whip you. So when we get home, they're all nice because they want me to forget. I don't forget. I don't have Alzheimer's. I can remember bad behavior. When we take them in the bedroom and they can just cling on your leg, ah, you go, okay, you know, peel them off and tan it. Now, the next time you go out, you don't have to say it five times. Now, what are we going to do? We're going to behave. What's going to happen if you don't? We get spanked. That's right. Do they behave? 99% of the time they do. They just, it doesn't take kids long to learn that mommy don't lie, daddy certainly don't lie. You know, when I, I brought you in the world, I can take you out. You're mine. Amen. So they learn, but God is not any different, guys. I'm not saying that he's, that he's looking for you to do something so he can tan your hide. He's not. You don't do that as a parent. And often, the boys growing up, they didn't do a lot. Now, the only one who did is Ashley. Che would go a mile out of her way not to disobey. Ashley would look at me and say, how bad do you think that whipping would be? <laughs> I love her. So there's one in every family. Y'all know that. But you know, God is not any different. He's a good parent. He's not allowing... Everything to go on. What about chastening? The Bible says you endure chastening. What about humility? The Bible says humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due time. For God resists the proud. So he makes a statement to husbands. Mistreat your wife. I will not answer your prayers. Is that a form of judgment? I think it is. I, and, I, and I think it's a good form because a lot of times we're in there praying, oh God, oh God, help me Jesus, help me Jesus. God's going. You go apologize to your wife. No. <laughs> well, don't come back and talk to me until you get things right with her. So, so relationships are big to God. God wants you to get along with people, and he wants you to humble yourself even when you think you're right. So having said that, there, there, is, there is a point here where we need to understand that God requires us to repent of sin. 
Jesus said to a person he prayed for one time, and they got healed because of mercy. He said, go and sin no more, unless a worse thing come on you. You and I cannot continue to do what we want to and expect the goodness of God. doesn't work that way. All right. I have a reason I'm going down this road. Go with me to Jeremiah 18. Say hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many of you want your best days ahead of you? I do. I realize the world's going nuts, but I'm not going to go nuts with it. And I'm not going to be a part of the judgment. We're going to be here. I want to read a scripture to you out of the book of Jeremiah, and it's, been an, it's another one of those scriptures that's been kind of um, messed up. So before I do, let me make one more statement. Why do we think that, a person says to me one time, they said, well, you know, God's not angry. Uh, my question is, what does that have to do with it? There's people God's not mad at that go to hell. They're not born again. I've had cops give me tickets while they were laughing. <laughs> I like your truck. Nah, 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 nah. You don't, this whole anger thing, this whole judgment anger, it's, it's really been messed up. It's screwed up the theology of the church to where we're not even living right. And we certainly don't want to hear anybody preach a sermon on living right. But before I read this, let me, let, me, let me do a little. Our young people today live in a d- different world than we did. They're hearing stuff outside in the world. Why would we not help them by sharing scriptures on living right and the ramifications of it? So why would I even bring that up to you? Do you all want to know why? Because you vote. You know that? You don't like me preaching on living right. There's a church down the street that doesn't preach like that. And I know where you're going when you leave. Now that affects pastors preaching because, you know, we really do need your tithe to stay open. And if a preacher starts preaching on live right and the crowd shrinks, he's going to stop. You're actually controlling the demise of America. Without you really realizing you are. Because the preacher needs to be able to preach the whole counsel of God. All right, now he needs to be nice. I'll come over here and say that. It won't go very well. I've been reading the love books lately. Love is patient, love is kind, preach, it, preach the truth and be nice. Never mind. I thought I'd get an amen out of somebody trying to help me. <laughs> Pastor Morgan, we're so glad we finally got your prayers answered. All right, never mind. Jeremiah 18.1. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord and said, Arise and go down to the potter's house. And there I'm going to cause you to hear my words. And he went down to the potter's house, and the potter was making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he was, that he was making was marred 
in the hand of the potter, so he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. And the word of the Lord came and said, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as the potter? Says the Lord, look, as the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. The instant I speak concerning a nation, concerning a kingdom, to pluck it up, to pull it down and destroy it. If that nation against whom I have spoken turns from evil, I will relent of the disaster I thought to bring on it. Now that's, you know, we're reading that and going, wait a minute, what's that to do with clay? Here's the story because the way we've heard this preached, God in his sovereignty can do what he wants to. So we've, we've heard it preached this way. God raised up um, Pharaoh. God turned him into a heathen and made him hard-hearted so that he could judge him and show the world he's God. That's a lie. That is not what happened down in Egypt. God already knew when he went down to Egypt, Pharaoh was going to harden his heart. He went down there and said, I know when I come down, it's going to make you mad. Some of you have said this, I'm fixing to make you mad. No, I'm not making you mad, but I know when I say something, you are going to get mad. Because you don't want to hear it. All right, listen to the potter. He said, because the clay was marred. I want you to think about a, a, a man that makes a vessel and he's a, a vase and he's going to sell it to the president of the United States or give it to him as a gift and it's going to be worth thousands of dollars. And so he's making this vase and right in the middle of him making it, the clay starts having sand in it or lumps. And he stops and goes, I can't make, I can't make a $1,000 vase. I'll have to make something else. So it says he punches it down and makes a lesser. Now, here's the good news. Every once in a while, God starts grooming people to be a preacher on television. But he sees something in the character of that man and says, send him to a popka. Are y'all out there? I mean, I know I have a lump, a couple of bumps, a little gritty sand. And that might be why I'm not on television. Don't shout me down. I'm not talking about you. But see, he's not going to not use us because we have a flaw. He used Peter. Peter had a flaw. But he didn't use Peter the way he used Paul. He says, I'm going to have somebody write the New Testament, but <laughs> it won't be Peter. That guy's always sticking his foot in his mouth. So he used Peter. He uses you and I. He uses us, but, the, but he decides what he does, so he gets to choose what he does with the clay. All right. Having said that, understand something. God is not choosing for you. The clay determines how God uses you. If you, don't, if you want to be a vessel of honor, you might want to get some lumps and bumps out. Because as of now, he might be going, ha, you're too lumpy. Now, I'm not talking about my belly. That's none of your business. Hallelujah, anyhow. Advertisement. All right. So I have a question for you. Why would God judge the church with the world? I mean, aren't you born again? Haven't you been made the righteousness of God? 
There's a lot of people that say it will not. It's obvious to me he is. I, I can't do it today. But I want to one Sunday. Let, let's get in here and talk about the rapture and the book of Revelation. Did you know that the whole book of Revelation is not about the wrath? Did you know that? Did you know the whole book of Revelation is not about the tribulation period? Could it be? My opinion. Only my opinion. Could it be the first seal is a person in a white doctor's coat with a corona? I'm just... Nobody else knows. Why don't I make up something? Uh, let's, let's, let's just be honest about it. I don't think that God is going to pull the church out in the harvest. Because you're afraid of dying. How many of the apostles died martyrs out of 12? Ten? One killed himself. The other one died of old age. Yeah, I just don't think God's really worried about you dying. You're worried about you dying. Come over here and preach. So we've created a doctrine that says, I'm an American. We will live our American dream. Rapture will take place. All hell break loose. I think all hell's going to break loose before that. I'm meddling bad, aren't I? So, somebody that came up with the rapture doctrine in 1950 might be a little off. Okay. But I'm not going to preach on that. But I think there's things going on where God's getting his church ready because he wants to use us like he's never used us. I think he's preparing us for the greatest move of God, and he's got to get the church ready. I don't think we're ready. So, everybody good? Breathe and say, oh, get a little oxygen. Say, I think he's doing all right. All right. Go with me to Ezekiel 3. Why then would God, what is, so I'm, I'm asking God in, in, in um, 2 Chronicles 7, if my people called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, and I'm looking around the church going, I don't think we have any really wicked people in here. I mean, they're all in Washington. You know, I love some of y'all's Facebooks. I mean, I'm glad some of y'all are on this. Because it's obvious, and this is another subject, the New World Order is already moving. The pandemic was created. When you have someone pay in Wuhan a year before it breaks out, nah, come on, it don't take a lot of intelligence to figure this out. And when you have them going into churches and shutting them down when the abortion clinics are open, 
you got a problem. It's worse than you think it is. Okay. So what in the world would God be waiting on his church for? What is it we're doing that we need to make adjustments? Do you all want to know? You ready to make some changes? The Lord showed me this the other day, and I went, Shandai. You know, there's a word that, that Trump uses. He calls us the silent majority. What an indictment. 54 million evangelical Christians didn't even vote in the last election. 54 million people who believe in Jesus, died on the cross, and rose from the dead, and go to church didn't even vote. You want to know why we got heathens in office? All right, let's read this. Ezekiel 4, 16. It came to pass at the end of seven days, the word of the Lord came to me and said, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, hear a word from my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die. You give him no warning nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life. That same wicked man will die in his iniquity and his blood. I am going to require it at your hand. We're going to go on here for a minute, but let me make a statement to you. It's not okay to be quiet. Do you know why America is in the mess it's in? Because the church is quiet. Some of you are old enough in here to remember the movie Gone with the Wind. I know Barbara Neff does. I know Gene Gant does. Ashley, you do? Oh, my God. You're an old woman. You should come to the seniors. Do y'all remember the movie Gone with the Wind? And do you remember the part in there where it says, quite frankly, Scarlett, I don't give a rip. Okay. First cuss word ever uttered on a screen. Has things changed? Do you want to know why? Church said nothing. Fifty million Babies have been murdered. You know what the church says? Don't say anything. As a matter of fact, let me just say this to y'all. Most preachers are scared to death to preach on living right because the people in the church don't tolerate it. Are y'all out there? There's only one way you're going to turn this nation, and that's for us to raise our voice. When someone starts saying that the bathrooms are for boys and girls, raise hell. You go down to the you go down to the county and you look at them and go, "Hey, let me tell you something, cowboy. You know what? You make no bathroom in my town where some man can come in on my daughter. And I mean, you, I mean, burn burn his building down. It's okay. That's legal now." As a matter of fact, if they ever shut this church down, I want y'all to dress up as protesters. Meet me out in the front and let's protest. 
and they will let us do it. Amen. And we'll start a big bonfire out there and tonight we're going to burn the building down. Every Sunday we just get out there and protest. As long as we do, we'll be legal. Lisa showed me a video this morning where a uh, where, uh, governor told the people that they could not meet in church. And they went to Walmart. The whole church went to Walmart. Walking up and down the aisles of Walmart. Singing, what a friend we have. Our God is what great. Our God is greater. Our God is greater. Imagine 300 people showing up at Walmart and having church up and down the aisle because Walmart is open and the church is closed and it's legal to go to Walmart. So we're going to go and have church in Walmart. I've never seen so much stupid. But I am proud that people are starting to raise their voice. Folks, you, 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 listen to me. You're going to have to lift your voice right now. And you got to call wrong, wrong, and right, right. And you got to get over being afraid of being persecuted. Jesus said you're the salt of the earth. If you stop being salty, how are you going to keep this pig alive? If the church stops being salty, we, listen, we, and I'm going to say more than we, I'm going to say the preachers in this city and the preachers in this nation are the reason this nation's where it is. The pulpit's got to get back on fire. Start preaching the word of God again. Rightly dividing the word of truth. And you've got to stay in church long enough to hear the word. Don't vote. I ain't going to listen to that. I'm going down the street to another church and don't ever bother me. And I'll, well, you voted. But remember, God knows you voted. Now, let's finish reading this. Are y'all okay? All right, let's finish reading this. Let's this is a tough scripture. T.L. Osborne said, this is the scripture that sent him around the world. You owe the gospel to the heathen. Okay, I'm just going to finish reading it. Don't get mad at me, I'm just reading. Again, if a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he will die. Because you did not give him warning. He will die in his sin, and his righteousness, which he's done, shall, be shall, shall not be remembered. And his blood, I'm requiring it at your hand. Nevertheless, if you warn a righteous man, and that righteous man does not sin, and he does not sin, he will be utterly lived because he took the warning, and you delivered your soul. How important is it that the preacher preach righteousness? Very important. Very important. Because we have a whole generation today that doesn't even know right from wrong. And they grew up in church. If you're a homosexual, you will go to hell. If you're, in a, if you're an adulterer, you will go to hell. If you're a coward, you're going to go to hell. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not damning you. I'm just telling you that, that there's a, you're, you're, you're free. You, he freed you from sin. 
I'm not saying we don't make mistakes. We make mistakes. But I mean just on purpose, I'm going to go where I want to go, do what I want to do, and I'm blessed. No, you're not. Somebody needs to look at these young people and go, how many marriages are you going to have before you finally walk in here and go, help me, Jesus? You pick a cute little heathen girl. I'm going to take them to church and see if I can get them saved. Oh, help me. If they're not already in here loving Jesus, don't you touch them with a 10-foot pole. It is better to be single than married to Lucifer. I can tell you that right now. Woo, I didn't say. <laughs> Thank you all for y'all's enthusiasm. The rest of you that are not amen, and it's all right. I got this book, and, and you know, the thing about a move of God, God doesn't always do it the way you think he should. He's not really a charismatic. He's not even a faith and word. He's not Baptist either. He's, he has a tendency to kind of do things he wants to how he wants to do it. And he never has asked any of us what we thought about it. So when I read books like Like a Mighty Wind, I love books like this because it, it helps me to understand a little bit more about God the Holy Ghost. Y'all ready to learn a bit about him? Yes. This is why some people don't want him in church. Because sometimes when he comes, he doesn't do what everybody thinks he should do. Messes up your program. But this is a cute little story, and I think you'll enjoy my cute little story. This is, uh, Mel Tari was talking about the fact that during the Indonesian revivals, they would turn the children loose to go to another village and preach the gospel, and they did it alone. They sent, they sent them off alone. And so Mel asked one of the kids one day, says, aren't you afraid? And the kid went, why would we be? There's always an angel out front and one in the back on both sides of us everywhere we go through the jungle. Now that's God. Did you know you have angels now? You can actually use them. You don't have to be afraid of my children going out without a cell phone. If they sass you, take it. You don't own no cell phone. I don't know how I got off on all that, but somebody in here needed to hear that. How would I know where my daughter is if she don't have a cell phone? She'll be back. People get hungry. Sleep outside one night. Well, I'm afraid. There's a big old angel standing there. Y'all all right? I mean, don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. I mean, it's just... One day, I started to tell you about the children and saw some guava trees, and guava is a very special kind of fruit. Children love it. When they came to the trees, they looked at the fruit, and of course, they wanted some. Just as they're about to take some, one of the angels said, don't stop and take the fruit. You're going to have fruit when you get to the village, and you still got a long ways to go to get there. But all the children, like sometimes rebellious children are, they saw the fruit, and it was too much. And they pushed aside the words of the angel, took off their clothes, and climbed the trees. It was great fun. They laughed and played around the trees, ate the guava, and forgot all about the fact they're supposed to be going to preach the gospel, kind of like Rosa. And they finally came down from the trees. You can guess what happened. Their clothes had disappeared. 
they looked around and around and around. Their clothes weren't anywhere around. And, they, and then something prompted them. They looked up. And when they did, they saw their clothes atop of a very big tree, uh, a tall tree, 75 feet and three feet in diameter. And all the children laughed. It looked funny. They said, well, big wind blew our clothes up there. And they realized there was no way to get their clothes down. And they began to cry. You have to learn your lesson, the Lord said. I told you before, before through the angel, you were not to stop and eat that fruit. There would be fruit in the village when you get there. You did not obey me, so you're going to pay the price of your disobedience. Did you, did you know that not everything's the devil? I bind you, Satan. <laughs> and the Lord says, uh, I'm not the devil. I took your clothes and stuck them up in the tree. And the children heard this. They cried harder. And the Lord says, if you repent, confess your sins, I'm going to help you get your clothes back. And the little children dropped to their knees, repented, and confessed their sins. Now one of you climbed the tree, the Lord said. Where's the tissue? I'm going to need one. The Lord said, get a tissue. But we can't climb the tree, they said. It's too big. We can't even reach around it, and it's too tall. He said, I'm going to make your feet stick like a lizard. Talk about Spider-Man. <laughs> Indicating one of the boys was to go up. And when the boy put his hand on the tree, it stuck there until he pulled it off and he put it down again at a higher place. His feet stuck to the bark. He went to the top, gathered all the clothes, brought them down, and it was a repented and happy group of children that went on to the town. On Sunday they preached, gave the testimony in an altar call, and many people came to Jesus. That's a great story. Do you think he still does that? I do too. Now, one more story, and I'm not going to preach to say the one that I said this morning, Lisa. I'm going to do another one. I have a reason for that. During the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, God dealt with sins in a very personal way. To many, he gave words of knowledge. You know, it's hard for you to believe that a word of knowledge would come forth in a church service about you living right. Did you know that? But he does. I don't tell you this morning, pastors, I don't know what's wrong with him. He just kind of started hollering about something, and I don't know. So one Sunday, and I won't tell you who it was, I'm preaching, minding my own business, and I had a vision. A woman sitting in the church, standing at the bottom of her steps, husband's upstairs, and she is screaming. And I'm trying to preach. And I, I knew who it was. So I just walked over there, and I said, Stop hollering at your husband and screaming at him in Jesus' name. I didn't call anybody out. And I went, hallelujah, and went back to my sermon. See, some of y'all don't even believe in that kind of stuff. Well, you know, every once in a while, you have to watch it. He'll just go off. Well, that's your fault. And there's one more thing you need to know. When you go out, don't shake my hand and say, that was me. Because most of the time, I don't know who it is until you told me. And I have one sin greater than all others. I'm a gossip. No, I'm teasing. I'm not really. I'm not. I don't really. I'm, I'm joking with you. 
I don't say nothing about what y'all do. Not even the Lisa. She goes, what was that? I'm like, nah, I don't worry about it. <laughs> now listen to this because this is very important. Are y'all all right? Yes. See, I'm, we're talking real church. Yeah. It goes on in your house. One night a woman went to church. One of the men of the church says, brother, you've, got, you've committed adultery, and the Lord wants you to repent, and you never brought that to light. And the brother's wife was there, and she got mad and said, I know your secret now. He said, no, I never did it. The man replied, he said, what do you mean you never did it? The woman with the gift of knowledge said, I'll tell you the details. And she sat right there and gave the whole details to the man and his wife and the church. You might want to clean it up before you come to church. Let me help you all with something. Before Mary Friend comes, get everything right. I mean, clean it up. Get the pipes clean. Get your soul clean. I mean, anything you're doing wrong, get it right. She gave the date, the place, the name of the other woman, and he said, how can you deny it? And finally, the Holy Ghost fell on the man, and he confessed his sins. And then the wife continued to get mad, so the Lord sent another person to minister to her about her sin. I'm, I'm not going to read the other one, but listen to me. It, it ever dawn on you the Holy Ghost is not just, ha, 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 thank you, Jesus, God loves you? You know, a lot of times when you're praying and that stuff keeps popping up in your soul, it's the Holy Ghost. That person who keeps popping up, go make it right. Oh, God, I'm going to pray for them. No. Go talk to them. First John 1, 9. We'll close with this. One of the reasons that I read that to you all ago is this. One of the things the Lord said to me and started this message today. My church is allowing what's going on in this nation. We're going to have to be more vocal. What I mean by that, right is right and wrong is wrong. And, and, and being quiet is not love. Well, I'm just not going to say anything about that because, you know, that's just none of my business. It's your business. Amen. You might want to sit with your kids one day, open up a Bible, show them heaven, show them hell. Read the book, three days in hell to them. 23 minutes in hell. Read the book to your kids. Let them understand the ramifications. They're your children. They don't belong to the school. They don't belong to the world. They're getting a doctrine when they go out when they go out of your house. They're getting educated. They're getting, I mean, they've they, they walk out of this church believing all kinds of junk. The, the, I'm not your kid's parent. Okay. So if that's you, and and and, and it is, all of us are guilty of this. I'm guilty of it. 50 million babies aborted. The world is crazy. I'm no longer going to sit back and be quiet about what the state of this nation. And if somebody doesn't like it, I'm going to say it anyway. He said, oh, you're the light of the world. You're the salt. He said, now listen to this. I'm going to read this. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you. And say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Listen, they're going to talk. They're going to say some stuff to you. Rejoice, be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. 
so they persecuted the prophets before you. You are the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men. They need to know you're a born-again Christian. They, I mean, they, you walk in the room, they go, there he is. All right, 1 John 1. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If you say, I don't have any in my life, well, you made him to be a liar. Word's not in you. The only thing he said to me to do today is to talk to you about why he's judging the church today. We need to stop being the silent majority. This is not about Donald Trump. Donald Trump is not a pastor. Never said he was a pastor. And he's also not a politician. Thank God. And if you don't like him, he's about 100,000 times better than Hillary and Bernie. If they get in office, the first thing they're going to do is take your 501c3 and they're going to start, they're going to go after churches tooth and toenail. They are corrupt as hell. And you need to wake up and smell the coffee and realize that this election, the balance of this nation's hanging, but not just on Trump. It's hanging on the church. You and I are going to have to start doing some soul searching and seek God. He said, if you humble yourself, that means go low and seek my face. That's going to take you some time. Get before God. What is it you're wanting out of me? What is it you, where am I supposed to be? How am I supposed to be doing? That's all of us in this room, guys. If you miss it, there's 1 John 1, 9. Father, I should not have done that. I should not act this way. Lately, I got E.W. Kenyon's book on love out. It is tough. It is, you think agape love is easy? It is a complete unselfish love. Well, you, you have never seen how your flesh can act until you start reading love is patient and kind at the same time and hardly notice when others do it wrong and keep no record of wrong and is never rude and does not run around tattling on what everybody else did wrong. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. It'll change your life. But the church must come back to a relationship, fellowship with the Lord. Guys, listen to me. We must. The world is waiting on the answer. And he has no other, there's no no one else to help but the church. We're going to have to rise up. I believe the greatest move of God is ahead of us. But I don't think he's going to use unclean vessels. Is that okay? How many of y'all are game? I am excited about the days ahead. I I really am excited. So I'm coming to scriptures like this and going, what is it? There's others that you might want to read yourself. Go back and read what Jesus had to say to the churches in the book of Revelation. There's a lot in there. The deeds of the Nicolaitan, you know what that is? The doctrine? It's a doctrine that says it doesn't matter how you live because you're born again. It matters how you live. 
We've got a younger generation that has been watching their parents so long, they kind of pick and choose church like it's an ice cream store. I don't know if I'll be there today. We're going with my friends to the beach. Well, in the days ahead, don't expect to get your prayers answered because it ain't going to happen. Are you all out there? There's a life that goes with this. Before Jesus returns, there will be people who will walk this earth just like Jesus. That's exciting. Say, I think it'll be me. Y'all game? Are you game? Are y'all okay? I preached pretty strong today. I want to do something right now. I, I want to pray over the church because I know pastors. You can't keep preaching sermons to people so they'll feel good when they leave. You can't keep avoiding the word sin. Yeah, I mean, you, you really got to open the book. If you care about a human, if you care, you might want to tell them the truth. I care about you. I care about you. You need, listen, when, when I got saved, the day I got born again, Holy Ghost came on me. All of the drugs, the playboys, the beer, rock music, get it out of your house. That The day, not six months later, clean it up, I have use for you. I mean, and I'm glad I did. I could not afford to go back. I couldn't afford it. I didn't need a drink. I needed to throw it away. I didn't need one joint. I, I, I didn't even need a cigarette. I, November 16, 1975, last cigarette, last beer, last Playboy. I wouldn't be here today. I might be in heaven saved. Had I not obeyed God, I would not be right here. The world pulled on me too strong. It was too strong. I cut it. He said, if your hand offends you, this is brutal. Take a hatchet. Cut it off. If your eye offends you, pull it out by the roots and throw it in the garbage. That's strong. Make an end of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Make an end of it. Y'all okay? Father God, we pray over the United States of America right now. I pray for my country. I'm starting ahead of the game with Dr. Uh, um, Jonathan Kahn, where he's asking the United States to gather together in September, which is Yom Kippur, and begin to preach repentance. I'm, I, I've decided to go ahead and start now. I don't want to wait to September. I pray in this church right here, and I pray everybody in the sound of my voice would realize that we're born again. We're new creations in Christ. We've been made the righteousness of God. But we, like everyone else, are going to have to start standing against the, the, the wave of hell that's in this earth. There's people that are wicked. And it's not politically correct to make statements and to do the things that we're, you're asking us to do. But we're going to need to do it anyway. We're going to need to be Holy Ghost when Holy Ghost ain't cool. We're going to have church when the church ain't cool. We're going to pray in the Spirit when praying in the Spirit ain't cool. 
We're going to give when giving ain't cool, and we're going to, and we're going to live right. We'll raise our children right even if we have to bring them home. Might need to make some adjustments. I pray everybody the sound of my voice today would hear the spirit of what you're saying to us. It's not okay to be quiet now. It's not okay. The world needs it. The reason they're in the mess they are because the church has, has failed in their job. We have not been a light to the world we needed to be. We've allowed them to, to create a culture who's so anti-God, and we've tolerated it too long. It's time for us to make some adjustments. It's time for us to come out of the closet and come out of our box. If everybody else wants to jump up and down and shout, we're going to need to do some jumping up and shouting ourselves. Father, if there's anybody in here right now that's not saved, not ready to meet you, I ask you to lead them and begin to deal with their soul. If they're, if they're backslidden out of fellowship, I ask you for grace and mercy on them right now that they would begin to make adjustments. We give you thanks, sir. Hey, I love all y'all. Every one of you. It is so good when I come in here Sunday morning to come in here and worship God. Because I know that I know that soon he's returning. And I don't want a one of y'all to not be there. It won't be long. We'll be gone. They can have it. And God is going to pour his wrath. Well, we don't need to be here. But in the meantime, we've got work to do. So let me say something else to y'all. There are no perfect churches. There's no perfect preachers. I know them all. They're all nuts. God never told you to follow a preacher. You're following the Lord. Your parents aren't perfect. Love them anyway. Love people anyway. I do what I do as under the Lord, not because of y'all. Make sure that you're you're doing what he told you to do. Like Rosa told you a while ago, you need each other real bad. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for Barbara and Debbie and, and, and Jeannie and, and Shirley and Lisa and Mary Fran. I'd have died in that hospital. They opened me up. I was totally, completely full of gangrene. He said, you're a mess. Wednesday night, I was back preaching. Wednesday, Wednesday. That's God. But you know what? When you can pick up a phone and go, tell Shirley to pray good night. Come on. Watch what you're going, what you're doing. Be faithful to church for the simple reason, we need you. We need your supply. God bless all of y'all. Thank you for listening to me. I pray I see y'all next Sunday. Praise God. Hallelujah. James 5. We don't say this a lot, but it says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Uh, we know in 1 John 1, 9 that we're to confess our, our trespasses, our faults to God. And we're pretty good at doing that. Oh, Lord, forgive me. But 
the Lord made it real to me, and this is another sermon, another day, not not story for today, but just made it real. When, when you know that you've trespassed against somebody else, and they know it, and they know it, and they can feel it, the Word says, confess your trespasses to them. I mean, don't come tell me. I'm not the one you offended. But, but the one that you trespassed against, confess your trespasses to one another. Oh, God, I have asked you to forgive me for this a million times. He says, well, we're good, but you're not good with them. So go make it known to them. And I was healed. The Lord told me, he said, the way I deal with the church and the way I heal the church is a lot different than the way I heal the world and baby, baby Christians. The way I deal with my church is a lot different than the way I deal with the world and baby Christians. And we need to learn. We need to live by James 5. We can get, we can get prayer, right? But we also need to walk in love and forgiveness. Amen. 1 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19. We implore you on Christ's behalf. That word means to beg. We beg you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. If you're here this morning and you know things aren't right, if my altar workers will come up right now, if you know things are not right with you and the Lord, come up here and be reconciled to God. Be reconciled. I beg you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled. You may have asked Jesus to come in your heart You may not have. If it's your first time, you need to. For today is the day of salvation. He is coming. But if he doesn't come before you pass away, you're going either to heaven or to hell. I'll just make that real clean. There are only two families on this earth. The family of Satan and the family of God. And you fit in one of those families. There is no gray. Amen. And if you have never made Jesus Lord, today's the day of salvation. But if you're here in this place and you're like, Lord, I'm not right with you. Come up and make it right. They will pray with you. Your heart will be cleansed and you'll be on the right road. Amen. Be reconciled back to God. God loves you. He, he paid a high price for you. The price of his son, the price of the blood of Jesus. And that we are thankful for. Do not count the blood of his cross as a light thing. If you want prayer for any other reason, come on up. They'll get an agreement with you, and God will hear your prayer, and he will answer it. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.